Hello, and welcome to another episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. As always, I'm your host, Corey. And I'm Anel. And today we're talking about the finale of Game of Thrones. This is it, you guys. This is the last one for the series. And boy, we got a lot of feelings about it. But before we get started, Anel and I just want to take a second to thank you guys for tuning in each week, subscribing, and uh, giving us great feedback on what we need to do with the podcast. Um, the numbers have been overwhelming, and this is why we continue to do it for you guys week after week. We do want to let you know that we are completely down here for the prequel as soon as it does come out. It looks like it's going to be probably next summer. Um, if it's before that, we'll jump right on board. And in the meantime, we are going to go back to season two, three, four, five, six, and go ahead and do those as well because you got to we got to love you know seasons one through six. That's our OG. That's our bread and butter. Regardless of our feelings on this finale, we loved the whole ride. So um, we just want to let you guys know that. Also, we are looking at doing other shows, and we will give you guys a sneak preview of that on this channel as well. So if you guys do subscribe, if we end up doing Watchmen, if we end up doing another TV show, we will let you know and uh, give you a shout out on there. With that, let's get into the episode. So obviously there's going to be some things that are really cool that we loved about the episode, but there's going to be things that we didn't love so much. So let's go ahead and get into it. Okay. So I will jump in. I will just say that my favorite kind of made me feel good scene. We had a lot of like a little, you know, hey, just before we we end off of the series, just let you know, this is where this character is. And John meeting up with uh, uh, Ghost again up in the north was just great i loved it uh we finally got the little pets that he deserved and um when we saw him going off you know up to what with the wildlings it made me feel really good yeah my favorite scene was another favorite family pet when drogon was taking off behind danny and it made the effect like she had wings mm -hmm. that, that i was thought really was cool. really cool yeah cool i i i've been saying this this entire last season like the cinematography is amazing. There's shots like that that are just fantastic. Um, you know, I have some qualms about it, but I can't I can't put that down at all. That's what you get when you have a forty million dollar budget, right, for a show. Right. Right. So what else did you think was like a really positive scene for you? Well, I thought that um Jamie getting his story written into the book by Brienne, uh, that was really cool. Um I'm kind of waiting to see if anybody else got the vibe of like Brienne writing in a burn book, like <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I did, I did like that though. I saw there are are already a couple memes out there of her like crossing that out and then being like, "Jamie is an ugly, no good motherfucker," and it's Jamie like, "Is a fugly slut." Yeah, I'm like, I get this though because I think that's really like the last thing that she had to do for her honor for him, right? Like is to make sure that his story was told. And in the end, like, he didn't run back there. I mean, it seems like he didn't run back there to, you know, go back to her and be in love with her. He ran back there to die with her, and he knew that. Yeah, he was protecting He was protecting his queen. And um, I think it was a, a satisfying way to kind of conclude the brand portion of that story because it shows us that she, if not understands, she still has enough love for him and the time that they shared together to do that for him. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of favorite scenes, I think um, one of my favorite little endings is Arya running off into the West um, and sailing as far West as anybody's ever known. That is actually, if you've read the books um, and the, the folklore behind it, you know that there was actually a Targaryen princess that did the same thing. And we've talked about it in other podcasts that it's actually theorized that she stole these dragon eggs before she did this and that possibly that's where um, all three of Danny's dragon eggs came from. So I'm all for that. I think that's awesome. Honestly, if we were going to come back for anything, I'd love to see what the fuck Arya is doing. Like, that sounds fun. Yeah, that would be a really cool spinoff, I think. What's west of Westeros? Ooh, yeah. So is there anything else that just you loved to death? Um, I thought the cinematography behind, um, the scene where Danny is 
kind of telling John her plans right before he stabs her. I thought that was gorgeous. Yeah. And um, it also ties back to that foreshadowing of the dreams that Danny was having about the throne and everything. And then to kind of piggyback on that, when she was murdered and Drogon came up and saw that and him freaking out and burning the throne and melting it down to nothing and then flying off with him, with her and his little foot. Like, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I have to say for this episode, really everything up until Danny, you know, getting stabbed by John, I think visually was just amazing. Like you have um, all of the Dothraki and you have the Unsullied standing in front of her and she's giving that speech in Valerian and it's just very powerful and moving and you're scared and excited and terrified all at the same time. And you can see just in everyone's face, like what is going to happen to the rest of the land. And obviously we know what happens later, but up until that point, you're really going, what in the hell is going on? And all of the cinematography for that is backing it up. That's right. You know, before, like you said, that dragon um, scene where Drogon is flying off, it looks like she grows on wings. That's right before it. We have the kind of the Targaryen flag, which you almost get kind of like a Nazi vibe. And that kind of reinforces, oh, hey, this is not going to be good for anybody. Yeah, I think that's the only time that I can remember having a main character throw their banner up above rubble, you know, yeah. and it, to her, it's a victory. But, you know, she's crazy now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and really, you know, you you've seen we've seen how many times whenever we flash to King's Landing, we see, oh, like you you see the actual building, right? And then it's all in rubble. It looks more like um, Harrenhold. And it's just, it's ash. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And it, the speech she's giving where she's just like, hey, we're not stopping here. We're going to go around everywhere, all the way up to Winterfell, all the way down to Dorne. And you see Jon Snow just like, oh, shit. Well, what makes it more impactful is they took time to kind of set the scene before we even got there. So we weren't just recalling last week's episode, but you have Tyrion walking through and you have the body stacked up and um, just a few people silent that are still alive walking by with like burned backs, all the skin off, or there's um, someone crying in an alley and everyone's silent, you know? It's just, it's still beautiful, but it's completely demolished and it just shows how much damage was really done and the sacrifices that were made for Danny to take this throne. And I think that made it more powerful that Drogon was even like, yo, F this. Blows all this fire on the throne and melts it down. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. You know, speaking of scenes we like a lot, I got to say, Drogon underneath all that ash when Jon walks up, that was just a straight up crazy town. Like, Yeah, that was. And I heard it was a callback to some other thing in a book where a dragon was like hiding as a stone statue. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I got to say, like, everything with Drogon, I'm very impressed with. I did really like that. Um, you know, I'm just going to jump into it, though. I got to say, I don't know if I'm exactly happy with the way it all r ran out with Danny. I don't know if I'm exactly happy with that. I knew it was coming, and it, it had to happen based on the character that the show has created of Danny, but... I wanted a little something else. I felt a little bit too, a little bit like uh, uh, Jamie and Cersei in the last one. And shout out to them when we actually see their bodies. That is just like, man, it was cold. That gave me just the shivers, like actually seeing their smushed bodies together. Well, you know how I feel about my Lannisters. So I was happy to get that closure. You know, I, th I kind of felt like after the last episode, that was going to be that where you know, the way things ended, anyone could speculate, well, maybe they survived. Maybe there was like some part of the structure that held up and they ended up underneath of it. Well, that just proves that they did, you know, pass on. And the way that they died, um, the way that they set that scene was very much, um, you could see that Cersei died in the arms of Jamie, and he was holding on to her just similar to what you would imagine would be them coming into this world because they said in the books that Jamie was holding on to Cersei's foot when they were born. So he was holding on to her in death too. So, Yeah, definitely. And then, man, 
I, I do have to say the way that was framed for Tyrion, like you really have to look at Tyrion and what he must be like. Like he has to have just this huge weight on his shoulders because, I mean, he's right. He is kind of a little monster. I mean, he killed his father. He killed, you know, his brother and sister, like pretty much, right? He enabled da- uh, Daenerys to do that. Um, it, he he strangled fucking, you know, his his whore, uh, whore lover. And like he is now ruling kind of on the small council, kind of uh, feeding Brandon. You know, that worries me a little bit. I'm not quite sure if that is something that I'm exactly satisfied everything's going to be going well. I have a feeling here if we jump 10 years later, I don't know if everything's going to be so happy uh, in the six kingdoms, as we are saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, the way things are are very precarious. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, and something that kind of um, I was clued into, and I know we're jumping around a little bit, but it's like the small council. So we have the small council now, and it's made up of all these odd characters. And this is something I I kind of felt like was a little bit too fan servicey. I'm like, man, all of these people are still alive? Like, did we really need all these people? Like, did Bronn need to be on the small council? Um, but the thing that jumped out of my mind is, you know, in every regime it's really not the kings that are ruling so much as it is the small council. And we've kind of, you know, we've broken the wheel to, so to say for these, you know, kings. Okay. Well now we're going to do with Bran and when he dies, we'll elect another person. But like really um, the small councils are still ruling. They're still going to be corrupt. I don't know if this is all going to go well. And then we have the North, um, which we've kind of left out until now, but the North is independent. Like, yeah, well, Bran is uh, aligned with Sansa. This should be fine. But remember, Bran, Bran is a robot, an unfeeling, monstrous robot who basically let all of this happen just so he could be king. Well, let's dial this back to what you were talking about just a few minutes earlier is Tyrion. So who ultimately kind of sets the um, sets this idea out for everyone else to kind of vote on is oh I think that Bran Bran should be the ruler of the six kingdoms right it's Tyrion yeah. Tyrion's the only one who's actually that they showed has listened to all of Bran's stories he pulled a chair up to him when they were having the fireside chat before the war uh, the the long night yeah. and he talks to Bran we don't see what they talked about but Ultimately, it would be safe to kind of surmise that Tyrion knows how Bran is after their little chat. So by Tyrion suggesting that Bran rule the kingdom and then Bran also saying, well, I want Tyrion to be my hand to the king. Tyrion knows that he's going to end up making all the important decisions as his number one advisor. And Bran has kind of sealed that deal by saying okay i'm leaving you in charge i'm gonna go find the dragon yep. like wow okay Bran, Tyrion's in charge then is what you're saying yeah essentially i think he is he picked probably the person that's going to be the weakest to his will and he's doing that and it's just who's the puppet master behind you know the puppet and like i said you know this brings up another kind of thing i'll get into a little bit deeper later but the question of destiny right Uh, up until this entire point every time we talk about Bran we're like well does he know what he knows exactly does he read the future does he predicting the future is an alternate future possibly and it's literally like no he confirmed it here he knew this was going to happen all along so that calls into question destiny and that's kind of an interesting thing for the show because the show has made such a big deal about choice and how that's such a huge thing and and then we're also just kind of saying, well, but also like Bran knew this was all going to happen. And that's why he didn't do anything is because then it was just going to all end perfectly like this for him. What? It seems a little bit too, a little bit of a bow on it. I don't, I don't agree. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you kind of put that into a series that's so um, complex like Game of Thrones and you put time travel and uh, people who can see the future and that kind of thing. I don't have the answers, Corey. I don't. I also, my other question is, is like, obviously, 
Bran is important now because he is the ruler, right? Bran the Broken. But, like, what was the point of him being the Three-Eyed Raven for anything else? He didn't help with anything. Literally anything. So, Bran gave Cat's Paw to Arya, and that's what she used to kill the Night's King. Okay, valid, valid point. He definitely did do that, but... Let me challenge you. Can you give me a couple others? Yeah, he killed Hordor. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, he does do a couple things, but I'm just saying there was no real payoff. And I do feel like we kind of were saving him as this token person just to throw up there and be like, okay, well, here he's the king. And the only reason why is because we kept on talking about how, oh, choice, right? I, I was saying choice earlier. Oh, well, a good king, you know, he's the person who doesn't want it, but he knows it's his duty to do it. Like, he's the one that cares about all the people in the realm. Like, and we're constantly like, oh, this is Jon Snow, this is Jon Snow, this is Jon Snow. But we see Jon Snow's indecision. And then it's like, oh, but Bran, there's Bran. He's also a Stark. Well, yeah, he, he also doesn't really want this because he doesn't really want anything because he's essentially a robot in a fucking chair that doesn't have any feelings or any connection to mankind. Well, the way I can attract brands. What a great king, by the way. <laughs> the way I can attract brands' importance was um, based on what he knew, whether he could see all the way in the future or just get glimpses or possibilities. Um, he kind of led people's hand. Like he gave Arya cat's paw. He had the information available when it was important for certain characters to know about John's lineage. He brought it to the forefront to confirm about the Night's King when that was important. So he was kind of the glue to kind of push people into places where they needed to be at the right time. Um, was it satisfying to me? Not as satisfying as it could have been, for sure. But it is what it is. Well, and don't don't get me wrong. Like, I don't... I'm not going to rule out Bran in the books sitting on the Iron Throne. I think that's totally a possibility. I'm just saying this characterization that we have of Bran in this show storyline does not make sense to me for this. He is not someone that you would ever want to be king. He would not justify, oh, hey, and let's talk about another fucking white elephant in the room, right? First, let me just say this. Okay. Let me tell you who my pick. <laughs> you are getting worked up. I think... And then I'll ask you the same question, is since you didn't like Bran. Since you didn't like Bran, this is who I would have liked to see on the Iron Throne. I would have done a little switch up with the Stark kids, okay? As much as I love, love, love Sansa since day one. <laughs> just kidding. But you guys know how I feel about Sansa. Um, but her, I love him. I want to marry him. Do not. And have little princesses me. and princesses. <laughs> do not take me down there again. Anyway, um, Sansa's had enough character development that I, I've grown to appreciate her in other ways, right? Um, they could have led up a little harder between the relationship with her and Tyrion. Not saying that they needed to get married, but um, them kind of getting together a partnership because they have been through a lot together. And I think it would have been perfect for replace Sansa or replace Bran with Sansa. So... Tyrion still be the hand to the queen. Sansa be the queen because she's grown up around Cersei and Joffrey. And she's had all these major influences that are bad people. And she's still a good person on the inside, as far as I know. But she also knows how the game is played. And with her and Tyrion together in a partnership, you have a dream team there. Tyrion's got everything down on King's Landing. He... Also can help rebuild King's Landing because he knows all the um, underground sewers. crevices. <laughs> he knows the sewers great. Oh, thank God. You got to start somewhere. And then t have Bran and John go rule the North. Have John's lineage play a major part and him say, you know what? I am the rightful heir. And my first thing as king that I'm going to do is I'm going to make Sansa queen. And then I'm going to rule the individual... Um, uh, realm of I guess it's not realm but he's going to rule the north sovereign north him and Bran <laughs> well this is the thing that I think is problematic that we're kind of skipping over in this situation we have Grey Worm right 
who is turning basically this monster, right? Who just wants to kill everything for re- revenge for Masande, right? And now that Danny's gone, he has like this, oh, we need to do this. Um, this is our idea of it, right? And he wants to hold Tyrion accountable for his actions, for betrayal. Because he was like, oh, I wanted to kill him. I wanted to kill him. I wanted to kill him. And then he doesn't get to kill him. He's like, well, what am I going to do? And John, he's like, I have to hold her responsible for Danny. Well, then they're like, well, here's the solution. Let's just do this. Like, what the actual fuck? If he actually gave a shit about any of this, he would want to hold both of those people responsible. Correct? Correct. And then B, after that, he's like, you know what? We're done here. I'm going to go to the Isle of North. Like, I know that was a promise that he made for that. But, like, you would have thought he would have had a little bit more respect for Danny's vision of the future. And I just think, A... There's no situation where we were presented with the story of events that John can become king because he trade he was a traitor he, and he stabbed he's a kingslayer essentially you know queenslayer so that is who I think should have came on the throne I I feel like John should have been a little bit more decisive and then you know calling back to those scenes that we had with uh, Master Amon and John like. You, I feel like that's kind of what prompted him those conversations before, and then knowing what he knows now, that's why he chose to kill Danny because you know, duty is the death of a, uh, uh, a love, you know, essentially. Okay, but then you have to have duty still. You can't just be like, okay, well, I killed her, I'm done. Like, I'm not doing anything. Well, here's the thing. Here's my problem. My problem is not with Grey Worm going back to North. That tracks. He was talking to Masande about, do you really want to stay here? But why does he give a shit about anything and then all of a sudden he doesn't? That's what my point is. So that tracks to me, Grey Worm leaving. Um, It's just a benefit to everybody for them to go along with, oh, Grey Worm, you want these people punished? Okay, we'll do it. Wink, wink. You get on the ship. You take the Dothraki with you. And then what happens? We do things the way we want to. You're not even going to be around. You're sailing back to Essos. Yeah, but that didn't happen. That's what I'm saying. That's the part I don't have a problem. <laughs> That's the part I do oh, have a okay. problem with. Um, the other thing is, if Tyrion knows the true lineage of Jon, and they were kind of in cahoots about like we need to stop Danny, uh, Tyrion's literally the one who pep talked Jon into finally having the cojones to go kill her. And then why would he not be like, and you know what? John is the one true heir to the throne, so he's my vote for king. Yeah, or why wouldn't... that? This is getting back to my point with Grey Worm. Why isn't he not like, hey, also, you fucking betrayed the queen too. You need to go to the, the north, and you need to go take the black as well. Who? Tyrion. Oh, well, I think he's that Tyrion... Guilty. Didn't Tyrion get out of it? And I apologize. Um, I don't remember the exact time frame of what happened first, but didn't Tyrion get off the hook because Bran was like, and I'm taking my hand to be this person. And since, since Grey Worm was like, why couldn't Bran be like, and also I'm taking John and I'm not sending the wall because I'm the fucking King now. Yeah. And that's, that's my thing is like, first of all, if they're going to be nominating Kings there, they have a King. They have John. Yeah. And then even if they didn't know, Bran should have been like, yeah, uh, this is going to happen. Grey Worm, get the hell out of here. But I yeah, digress. I mean, can't you see can't you see an uh, alternate ending to this where we we have everybody, you know, going on their way and we see Grey Worm taking off. And then it's like we see John gets up to the north and then all of a sudden we see that all the Starks are there and they're like, come home, John. You've um, done your time here. Like, Grey Worm's gone. Fuck this. Like, let's go rule Wonderfell. I think Ghost is the real puppet master behind this. <laughs> Ghost, it was like, hey, Drogon, okay, I'm going to go up north. Make sure that when John comes by to stab your master, you just, like, unpile yourself from under the ash, get out of the way, and then make sure he gets sentenced to come back up north with his direwolf. Yeah. You know, we were talking about John and Master Eamon, and this also kind of makes me... So Master Eamon, remember, there was a power struggle going on, and he voluntarily takes the black to get kind of out of it, right? He's the last Targaryen that is really known of besides Danny until obviously we find about John. And now John is going back to the Night's Watch, and kind of the same thing. Like, he 
obviously could, you know, kind of go a little crazy and be like, hey, I'm going to get up in rebellion and do this and take over. But he doesn't. He goes, I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice my own pride and my own everything I'm trying to do. And I'm just going to go up to the north, go take the block again. Everything should be fine. This to me is another cyclical thing happening. And I feel like this is, like I said, just like with the small council, we have another small council forming. We have Tyrion sitting on the small council again, just like he was before for his sister. Like the wheel's not broken. The wheel is strong. The wheel is still here. And I don't, like I said, give it 10 years. Let's see what's happening. I don't think that everything is happy-go-lucky. Another thing I want to point out as well, what do you think is going on with the seasons right now? Because we we were trying to talk about this in a couple episodes before, but now that the Night's King is broken, the White Walkers are gone, do we just have normal winters now? Is it something where the winter that was approaching is now broken? At the very end, we see a little bit of a green grass growing north of the wall and to me it was just kind of like oh well here's a little bit of hope but i wasn't taking it as like oh well there's no more winter what, what's your take on that um i don't think there there's gonna be no more winter what i think it is is they're just gonna have regular seasons now yeah like we would have mm-hmm. but um i did see that grass and um it just made my other question more um a spotlight on that like what the fuck do we need a night to watch for <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we don't. And my opinion on this, and I think this was, maybe we didn't bring this up yet. I got a whole list of questions. But what do you think John is doing when he is going up north of the wildlands? Do you think he's just going to go on a little ranging and come on back? Or do you think he's like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to be a free, I'm going to be a free folk. I think, um, and it took me a minute to kind of gather my thoughts about this because I was like kind of upset that John wasn't, was was banished again basically and he's the one that saved them all from a tyranny of danny right yeah and um in retrospect i was thinking about john's arc and why it felt so or not so unsatisfying but he felt really good in the seasons where he was like king of the north and like i'm gonna i'm take charge john and the real threat is coming from the north and you know, you guys are, are losing focus. That felt good. It felt like John coming on his own and having strong opinions and sticking with something that he felt passionate about. And then this episode, even after he did the right thing and or air quotes, however you however you interpret the right thing, but he killed Danny. There's some complex things about that. He was in love with her. That's his aunt. He's Targaryen. But she burned a bunch of people and he's still asking opinions of others. He's asking Tyrion, did I do the right thing? You know, he's still questioning himself. And I think he felt throughout all the seasons, like he had to live up to so many expectations when he was up North. Catelyn was judging him because he was the bastard. And, um, when he was with, when he was in all the scenarios he was into, he was so caught up in other people's opinion. I mean, is he living up to being a king? Is he living up to being um, the, uh, what was his status in the Night's Watch? Lord Commander. Yeah, was he living up to being Lord Commander? He had so many expectations. Is he being a good brother? Is he being a good son? And the only time he didn't have to live up to someone's expectations was when he was with the Free Folk beyond the wall. Um, he had a lot of man- manipulation, people in his ears when he was king, when he was a bastard, when he was with Danny. But the only time they weren't trying to manipulate him or get him to be something he's not was with the free folk. And that's where he ended up. So there's something about that in retrospect that I really love. Mm-hmm. So you think 100% he's up there for good? He's not coming back to Night's Watch? I mean, which is basically nothing right now anyways? I kind of feel like it's kind of a meld night's watch and uh free folk because that's how it's been the last few seasons mm-hmm. they're they're you go to war with someone and you are going to have bonds with those people so i think the night's watch and the free folk are kind of going to be the same thing yeah like i said you know in my alternate version i'm writing in my head as we go here to help myself cope with all of this um i'm i'm thinking we we come 10 years back and we see that john has gone up and he's maybe a a little bit of a max raider uh figure where 
He's united the free folk. He's like not really, you know, getting them ready to war at all. But he is a leader figure for them, and he enjoys it up there because he doesn't have roles, and he doesn't have society to worry about, and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, fuck, I did everything. I sacrificed everything. I died once. I killed my lover, and I did all that for the realm, and where the fuck did it get me? It got me sent up fucking to the north. And it's like, okay, I'm going to live in my own rules. I'm going to live in nature where, you know, you live and you die by the cold, and that's what I'm going to do. Um... So I got a couple other questions. I, I was starting to get to this when I was talking about, you know, the grass up in the north. So if we're agreeing now that they're back on regular seasons, right? Mm-hmm. They're approaching winter, right? That was this whole thing that was coming. Like, is the rump kind of fucked right now? Because we've had this huge war going on, right? The economics of everything, all the money was drained. All that money was loaned from Bravos, Right. The Golden Company, that was all done. Um, we have entire economies of like little sections completely ruined, right? Winterfell's had to rebuild everything. King's Landing's decimated. Um, there are the political structures of those small places completely fucked, right? I mean, we have Gendry, who's over in Storm's End. It's like no one's ever even met him. Like how easy is that to just dispose whatever was going on there and go, bloop, there's someone in there. Easy, because Gendry's the only person in the whole area. It's just, my my worry is, you know, hey, winter is approaching. Um, good thing we have Bran, who has all this experience. But, man, like, you can't just make food appear out of nowhere. Like, what is everybody going to do? What is King's Landing going to do? I mean, like, there's not very many people left alive. But that also means there's not a lot of people left to build. I kind of took it as winter is falling back, like it's going into spring. Okay. Even with that, if we're we're going on like, you know, an actual yearly basis, that's not a whole lot of time. It's not a lot of time, but, um, you know, it's just like any war-torn country. You have to set up some structures and rebuild. Just like, um, you know, not to use this horrible show, but on Walking Dead, that's part of um, their major characters. Um Plot points are restructurizing, you know, the areas that they have and kind of creating a new community and yeah, got to start from the bottom. Um, okay, so here is a couple more. So this is the easier of the two questions I have right now. What happens to Essos? Same thing that's always happened in Essos. The wheel turns. The wheel keeps turning. Yeah. I mean, uh, what happens to too. Dario? How does how does Dario know <laughs> what's going on? Well, my other, I guess, my other question is: so obviously, we have um, Grey Worm is going to go back to North, right? Mm-hmm. But like, what's going to happen with the Dothraki? Like, the Dothraki are not going to live on an island, right? They barely got on boats. So, are they going back to the Great Dothraki Sea? I kind of took it as they were going with Grey Worm because they were riding around. Or not riding around. They were next to the boats when he was getting ready to take off. And I don't I, see why. In my brain, it, they're like, we're going to drop you off in Essos. And then we're going to sail down to North. But I don't know. I mean, either way, that's a big old army of people that essentially <laughs> you put up a Nazi flag. And they're like ready to fucking kill some people. Well, once they get to North, North can probably use them. North maybe will become a big political power because... Um, wasn't Masande saying that they don't have an army, they're peaceful? Well, they don't fight. They don't believe in fighting. Like, they will literally put down their lives to avoid a conflict, I think is the way that goes in the in the books. But it's just ridiculous. My, my point is, though, like, there is going to be a vacuum of power, right? Because Danny is not alive anymore. There's no cause really anymore. Um, Dario is a great person, but fuck, all someone's got to do is kill him, and all of a sudden, all the slavers are back. So, I don't know. I think all the people who are in power right now are people who've survived the wars, and they're not going to be down for living through another war. So, I think there's going to be some peace, and there's going to be a lot more um, moderating between the communities, between the kingdoms just so that they don't have to go to war. I mean, I would think Yara would be the most want, one wanting to bang because maybe her and uh, Dorne, because they didn't 
really participate in either war. So mm-hmm. those would be the ones that I would be worried about. Yeah, and both of these. And they still have an right army. Now. Yeah, that's true. Doran was like, weren't they waiting for Danny to come by and pick him up? I'm surprised that they didn't want to succeed just like the the North did because they were the last one to even come under the fold of the Seven Kingdoms. Well, when Yara and Theon met up with Danny, Yara asked for um, uh, what's it called? Not to be part of the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. To succeed. Yeah. Yeah. She asked for that, and <laughs> did you see her face when? She was like saying that she pledged allegiance and I, and then Sansa's like, well, me, not so much. She was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so then this one is a little bit more spiritual. Okay, I have a question after you're done. Okay. So we talked about this before, right? Like what, what does the Lord of Light really want? What's his end goal? And really after the Battle of Winterfell, we kind of don't know, right? But we do know that the Lord of Light has saved John's life. And that is for a reason. Because that just doesn't happen normally, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to assume it's something big. And it's here in the finale. What is that? John was the one who united everyone to fight the Night's King. He was the one that got Danny to come up there. He was the one that got the... So um, the Lord of Light only gave a shit about the Night's King. After that, didn't far, give a shit. As far as the show has shown us, that was the biggest purpose for the Night's... Uh, uh, for the Lord of Light is to... I feel like the show is showing us the exact opposite because the show was like, oh, hey, you know, halfway through the season, let's just kill the fucking Night's King and that's over with. John didn't have anything to do with killing the Night's King. He did help assemble the armies, but... He to himself did not kill them. And then on top of that, it's like we got all this going on. Like at the end of the day, the Night's King didn't kill half as many people as Danny did. The population of King's Landing is much bigger than it is in uh, Winterfell in the north. Well, I the Lord of Light and the Night's King are kind of magical people. So they're on a different plane. I, I think either one of them could give a crap about any of the regular people. I just, I don't feel like, to me, that's one question I have that's not answered for me. Only one. I don't think that, well, yeah, I have a lot of questions, but I don't think that uh, the Lord of Light, whatever alternative motive he had or whatever he wanted to happen, like, did he really just want to kill Danny? And, like, what was the purpose of that? I, I... I've said before, he feels a little nefarious to me. Like, uh, we have Melisandre doing all this crazy shit, you know, burning kids alive and stuff in his name, and he's bringing people back from the dead ten times. And then it's like, oh, okay, and then that's just not a thing. Like, that is something that I cannot forgive the series for, and it does irk me off, and I have accepted that back a couple episodes ago, and I'm trying to take this finale aside from that, but, like... I needed that stuff answered to be satisfied with really anything. Well, I needed to know about the magic and about the spiritualism of this entire series. And I kind of just got a rug pulled out from underneath me. And it was like, well, we killed the Night King, so that's taken care of. I think what you're really upset about is we've been privy to that detailed information in the past. Um, we're still getting the same story, but we're just not getting the story behind the story. Um, so you just have to accept that there's magic. I don't think there is a story. And to that, be quite honest. Oh, are you being perfectly honest? I am. Um, but when you saw Melisandra take off her necklace after the battle of the long night, you, that was your cue that, okay, Lord of Light is done doing what they're doing. Like that is what needed to happen. Book closed. Hands dusting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like uh, that is something that's overlooked, and I feel like it should have been a bigger part in the ending. And I get if that was the main thing, but if that was the main thing, it should have been the main thing. That should have been the last thing we saw for the season. Well, let me ask you this, sir. Where did those Raven Scrolls go? I thought there was going to be some payoff because Varys in the last episode had filled out some Raven Scrolls. It doesn't matter now. He's renounced his, whenever you go to the Night's Watch, you renounce all your, your titles and lands, and you can't have kids. doesn't matter if he's the fucking king of England. He renounced it. But what I'm saying is, why 
didn't that happen? Like what before he did that? I mean, this is the end of the series, so obviously it doesn't matter at this point. We're not going to see anything change. But yeah, why didn't why wasn't that a bigger part? I mean, obviously that had to go to the Citadel. That had to go somewhere important. Wouldn't someone be like, wait a minute? He's the actual true heir to the Iron Throne. I mean, I've been saying this from the beginning, though. Who the fuck gives a shit? I mean, in all reality, power lies in where people put faith in it, right? We we know this. No one was like, oh, hey, who's the rightful heir? Oh, yeah, Robert Baratheon. He came and took it. Like, fine, I get that. But it's just a little like, um, you'd, you would think at some point someone would go, oh, hey, we did get those letters. Oh, and he's... um. Like they were saying, hey, we're we're willing to come and um, break down the walls and kill all of you unsullied. I think that probably should have happened. Who would have done that? All the people from Winterfell, the North, every other person in the Six Kingdoms. Like that to me should have happened. But then again, you know, they're like, oh, no, we don't like any of the Targaryens. Oh, Targaryen, that's a dirty word. That's like, you know, killing Hitler. And then someone's like, but I'm hit. I'm Hitler's. You know, I'm I'm Hitler's nephew. I'm going to be really different. Probably not a good campaign, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that uh, Danny had to die? Do you think that John could have persuaded her to change? Yeah, if he was more decisive earlier on. You don't think that there was any um, redeeming her from this episode forward? Um, She got like I like I, I keep on bringing up Hitler and. I know that's not the best, um, you know, analogy for her, but I do think that she has this thing where she's convinced herself that she she has this God complex, right? Where anything that I deem is right is right. And that's like how we talk about destiny and choice, too. It also comes into this. But it's like if you're convincing yourself that your means to an end is right because the end is justified, like, yeah, you're done. You're evil. There's no no coming back from that, right? But if you look at her story, all the people that she's killed on her way, they've all been bad people. So when she's killed them, the people around her were like cheering her on. Thank you. You've freed us. You've saved us from the the masters and yada, 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 all the way back from the beginning of her arc. But so, that's not a means to an end. That is the end, no, right? I'm not. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying having that in your ear that every time you kill someone is right and you start to believe your own hype, couldn't that be something that um, she fell into that she could be, you know, that John could have led her down the right path and been like, no, this is not right. No, I don't think so. Not when you go to the level where you're killing literally thousands of children, innocent people. No, I don't think you can do that. And I think at a certain point, it's like you have to be responsible for it. She and that's and I don't think this is the character. I don't believe this. I think it should be more nuanced than this. I don't think it's something where Danny, Danny does all these amazing things. I mean, she does. She kills all the slavers. She kills all the masters. She does great over in Essos. Do you think all those people were, um, out of all those people, you don't think there were innocent people in there? Well, they all had slaves. Well, you don't think there was some redeeming quality? So did you know? So did Jorah. Jorah had slaves. He sold slaves. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying that Jorah should have lived. <laughs> like, I don't really like Jorah that much. But my 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 problem is, is these people in King's Landing, like the children and the women, literally had no say in this. They were human shields in it. And yeah, you know, there are going to be a couple innocents that are in everything. But when you are actively mowing down children and women, when everybody's sur surrendered and there's really no reason for that, yeah. I don't think you can be redeemed. So kind of on the same topic, but a little bit off. After John killed Danny, why don't you think that John tried to ride Drogon? Because it's apparent through the books that once a dragon has a rider there, that's their rider until they die, until the rider dies. I mean, yeah, but the, this is not the books. This, the show is all loosey-goosey with everything. I mean, I don't really know what the heck's going on half the time with all this. I, I think it's the same thing with everything. John's indecisive. He's like, oh, I don't know. You know what? I kind of hope you would just kill me because then I wouldn't have to make a decision. Like, 
Yeah, he should have. He should have jumped on the fucking dragon, taken the dragon, and been like, hey, guess what? This is what's happening now. Like I said, I think I said this to you before we even started the podcast, but did he literally just wait around for the Unsullied to take him capture? Like, what? Why didn't he run away? Why didn't he try to leave? Why didn't he go anywhere but up there? Like, no one had to know that he killed Danny. I don't know. I I just feel like it's it's kind of like, well, I know I had to do this and I know nothing else. So I'm just going to sit around and let my destiny happen, which just doesn't seem like the story that I would like to have told for Game of Thrones. My destiny is that I killed my lover and I did it for the honor of the realm and to protect the realm and the realm will do with whatever I need to be done with. It will be happened to me like stupid. So you would have liked him to do what? What would have been satisfying for you? Um, he could have tried to take the dragon. He could have went and like left, tried to hide, evade capture. He could have um, had a plan with Sansa or Arya. Arya, the, that's the other thing too. I haven't got to this, but like what the hell happened with Arya? Like we had this whole thing with the white horse, which all to me signified death, right? Just like um, in Revelations, like, you know, oh, and I behold a, a pale horse and she was all white, like, to me, something crazy was going to happen with Arya. Arya did nothing this entire episode. Literally nothing. And were you wanting her to wear a face? Um, I would have liked a face. I would have liked her to come in and help John with this. I mean, the entire time you're like, she's like stalking Danny, like she's a prey and following up with John. And it's like, okay, well, you couldn't have been like, hey. Um, we'll get you out of here or hey um, don't worry you're not alone or snuck in in freedom or anything like that I think she to John symbolizes his reminder of yeah he is still loyal to the Starks he's a Stark and a Targaryen yes I just think she she literally did nothing Sansa did more than she did this episode and that's saying did Not you forget all about her killing the Night's King? I mean, God, give the girl a break. No, Did and that, take a week and off. And that was that was great, but <laughs> like this was not the week to take it off because now you're fucking your brother is fucked. Well, John had it. He got it. What do you mean? He got what? He got it under control. He stabbed Danny. Yeah, and then, you know, got captured and then now the realm is thrown into chaos because it's going to give you ruled by Bran who can't yeah. do shit. And Bran said, "Everything's as it should be." Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know if I believe that. So all in all, I feel like yeah, there was a lot of things that needed deeper explanations, especially because that's what we've been privy to the whole entire last 7, well, 6.5 seasons and so we had these plot points that were um there that all track as plot points nothing feels completely out of place but what feels out of place is that we don't get to feel like we are a part of the character's decision making we don't understand why that they do the things that they do and we don't get to see the steps between the dots that are connected and i think that's where people, myself included, are feeling the disappointment. But if this is the only thing we get, if George R.R. never finishes the books, can I live with this? Yeah. Am I completely satisfied? No. But does it affect the fact that, um, will it make me feel a different way about Game, Game of Thrones? No, I'm a little disappointed at the end, but ultimately still love the show. What do you think, Corey? Um, You know, I don't think that there's going to be issue with George finishing a book, at least. Um, Finishing the series might be a different thing, but well, Sam can finish it. Oh God, Um, (laughs) I will say, you know, I I love Game of Thrones. I'm still going to do this podcast, like we said in the intro. We're going to go back through, and we're starting back at season two, where we just left off before season eight started. We're going to go through it because I love the series. The prequel is going to come out. We're going to go ahead and jump head over heels for it because I have a feeling it's going to be great. The thing with Game of Thrones is it is great. There's so much source material. There's so much you can do with it. And that's where I kind of have to point it to the double Ds. 
And it's like, I think they got a little sick of Game of Thrones and they should have bowed out and said, hey, we need to pass this on to someone else. Or HBO should have stepped in and been like, what the fuck is this? Because there's a lot of people out there saying, hey, they're jumping ship to go and do these Star Wars movies. And A, maybe they shouldn't be doing them because those are another beloved franchise that people are going to be real pissed if the ending isn't great. And B, like, come on, you guys. you It's not that hard to come up with an ending and a series where some of the stuff is in there. I'm not asking for everything, but I do feel like a good 60% of the stuff, the little breadcrumbs that are left through the seasons that you're like, oh, I can't wait for this to pay off. They weren't paid off. What were the symbols with the White Walkers? What did the White Walkers want? What was the Night King's purpose? What's with uh, the religion of the area? Um, are there any other dragons? What happened with Valeria? There's a lot of stuff that it's like you could have touched on and it's not anywhere in there. Could you have done it, though, in six episodes? No, but that's where it comes into play of, hey, they didn't have to do six episodes, first of all. They could have done ten. I think they should have done it. And also, it's like, you know, I don't know the background politics of it, but yeah, I do think we needed two more seasons. And if they knew it was going to only be, you know, eight seasons long, last season needed to be a little bit faster. And there was some stuff in there that just didn't make it... Ever since they've gone away from the books, it's just been off the rails. But season seven was a passable season for me. This is not. Yeah. At the same token, though, the showrunner signed up to take books and fashion them into a TV series, not to finish a mastermind's books and story and change that into a series. I don't think anyone's expecting to. it to be finished. And there's so much that was left out of the series that they wouldn't have to do that. But I do think there's something to be said about writing an actual decent series finale. And I don't feel like I got that. I don't feel like the last three episodes have been that entertaining. And it's something that's as simple as like, hey, this part right here could have just been three episodes back and the Winterfell could have been the ending. I feel like that almost would have been more satisfactory, right? It's just kind of like the, what? Like, you have the Night King gets killed, the White Walkers all disappear, and you're like, oh, okay, what's going on? All of a sudden, John doesn't have anything that he gives a shit about because he's been trying to do this White Walker stuff the entire time. You you have a little bit of the doubt of Danny that comes in and creeps in. Then you're like, oh, well, the next big baddie is Cersei. But in that episode, she's just literally standing the entire episode like, I'm just standing here. Oh, I'm drinking wine. Up, oh, I'm still looking out here. Oh, everything's on fire. Okay, you know what? Maybe I should leave now. She fucking dies in a bunch of rubble. So it's like, oh, wow, that big threat that was supposed to be even bigger and badder than the Night's King ended up being nothing. And then, okay, well, uh, the ending then is this big betrayal between Danny and John. And it's like, okay, well, that lasted for all of 15 minutes. Well, I think you're looking at it in the wrong light of who the big threat was. And the big threat wasn't Cersei. The big threat ended up being Danny. If you look back in all the Cersei-centric battles, like, um, well, Blackwater wasn't really Cersei-centric, but she was in that battle. What was she doing? Drinking wine, about to poison her kids so they wouldn't have to live through it. When she blew up the Septon, where was she at? She was standing back at the uh, Red Keep, and she was drinking wine. Blew, blew it up. What did you expect for her to do with this one? She's I just thought, you know, and all of these ones that you're talking about, it's like she's either not in power, you know, she is literally just a regular queen, or she's on her rise to power. And it's like she's at the top of this and she's just kind of sitting back, like not even present. And I'm not saying that, you know, that Danny and that John thing isn't the whole what everything comes down to, but I don't think that was satisfying. I mean, in reality, we started this episode and she lands her dragon, makes a speech, walks up to the Iron Throne, touches it, and then gets stabbed. That's the fight between them. Yeah, that's the fast forward version. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too fast forward for me. And like I said, I think I said this in the beginning, like everybody's endings, a lot of them I agree with. Um, a lot of the stuff, I, I, I actually enjoy it. You know, I understand this character from the show that they've made of Danny. I understand that she needs to be killed, but... It's just the way it goes about it is a little bit rough and gruff and not polished. And that's the thing is like when you come from something that's just perfectly, perfectly done and then go and 
it's it's just it's sloppy. I feel like someone wrote it on a napkin is kind of what it feels like, you know? They're like, oh yeah, you know what? We'll do this and this and this and this. And all the characters just kind of feel out of place too. Like, I don't know. Do you feel like Grey Worm like going kind of crazy and like, oh, I just need revenge is in his character? And then on top of that, then being like, but you know what? I want this all of revenge and I'm fighting for Masande and I'm fighting for what she believed in, what Danny believed in. And then being like, but you know what? Yeah, you guys figure out whatever you want to do. And um, John, even though she stabbed her, that's cool. He can live. Just do whatever. And um, all you people, whatever. I'm going to just go to North. No. Like, does not seem right. Bran, does it seem like Bran should be the kind of person that's like a robot? And everyone's like, yeah, that's a good king. That sounds like a great idea. You know who should probably be his hand? Tyrion. The lecherous little bastard that fucked everybody over. No, but I think, and I may have said this earlier, I think what we're supposed to believe is that Tyrion's the one in charge. But um, like I said, I would have preferred that to have a good, Sansa. How is that a good ending, though? I would have preferred Sansa, and you know how I feel about her, and Tyrion as a combo in King's Landing. I think they would have been a much better fit than Bran. But another kind of weird loose end, and I shouldn't even get you started, but... The fact that Bron don't even get me started. <laughs> the fact that Bron is sitting there with oh, all God. the spoils after he legitimately threatened to kill Tyrion, and it's all good now. Weird. I think all it's it's just been so through so much, just like us viewers, <laughs> that they're just like whatever. I'm just like I don't want to go to war. Well, it is what it is. I I don't know. I just. You know, I wonder if there is a possibility ever in the future of we getting a little bit more of this. Obviously, the books are going to come out. Yeah, I think we will get more. I'm looking forward to the books. I am too, and I think if anything, this is really motivating book sales for George R. R. Martin because it's like you will see what a. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like anybody can sit here and be like, you know what? This is my good story that I'm going to say. I want this to happen, this to happen, this to happen, and I'm going to entice people in with this. But it's a masterful author that takes those things, weaves them, weaves weaves them together, to where it feels almost like effortless and it all makes sense and you're like oh my god this ties back to this all this foreshadowing amazing and then it pays off in the end and like i'm saying it's it's that middle part of this weaving of this tapestry that's not happening for the season and that's what it feels very disconjointed and just it's just disappointing so whatever is next you know if there ever is a five-year reunion special game of thrones where they're like oh i'm taking on back we're seeing what's going on with Jon snow um that would be cool i would like something like that um i know there's a petition out there right now to remake season eight which um right now i think you guys can all understand that i would agree with um but i i'm really placing my faith with that prequel because you know it is what it is i will get from the stories that come out and the books that come out like what i want to know about all these characters and have that conclusion happen but the big questions I have about the world you know the lord of light the White Walkers, um, all of this kind of stuff, that can be answered in the prequel. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, or you could just ask Bran. <laughs> God. Yeah. Who who would have thought, like, oh, who, who was your wallpaper on your phone of? All these people came out on Game of Thrones. They're all sitting on the throne. Who do you think? Oh, mine's Arya. Well, I think it's Danny. What do you think over there? Bran? Oh God, what a loser. Oh, well, you're right. Let me let me ask you this. So you know that I collect Funko Pops. Oh yeah. What what do you think like there's gonna be a rush of people going out there and buying him on the throne? Oh yeah. Or are people like, nah. All the all the people it. who are green seers are gonna be like, that's my guy. Yeah, boy. Here's another question for you. Five years from now. Do we look at Game of Thrones, this series for Game of Thrones, do we look at it as one of the greatest accomplishments that, you know, we've had in film and TV, the budgets, the scenes, how long it's been going on, the phenomena that it became? Do we look at that in a positive light or do we look at it and go, man, they really jumped the shark with that? I think we look at it in a positive light. Um, just like... Um 
you remember the big fuss over that um, soap opera Dallas? No. Oh, well, it was an <laughs> 80s soap opera. And like it was like the like everyone was watching Dallas. And then at the end of the soap opera, like the season finale, one of the things was this main character who is a bad guy, J.R. Ewing. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, you better go watch. Um, he gets shot and it's all like, oh, my gosh, who shot J.R.? It's like, oh, my gosh, who killed the Night's King kind of thing. And then they ended it with. Oh, it was a dream sequence. The whole series was, was a dream. Mm-hmm. And it was like everyone was like pissed off, like <laughs> everybody. But I mean, in retrospect, that is kind of laughable. But the whole series was just crazy. And yeah, you can look back at it and say, oh, that series was still crazy. But yeah, it ended kind of dumb. Well, that's kind of like Twin Peaks. <laughs> I, I, did, I did not want to bring that up. But thank God. Yeah. Um. You know. Definitely interesting. And I'm seeing right here that we've hit about the hour mark. So I don't think I have anything else beneficial to talk about. Of course, there's going to be lots of little things. Um, As more and more people dissect it, who knows? We might find another coffee cup. Um, We might see that something else is crazy in there. We might see that uh, Drogon is actually uh, has a puppet stick on it. And uh, they forgot to see it out. But that's all I have for it. And now, any closing closing thoughts for you? I just want to say thank you to all the people who subscribe and all of our viewers. If you are a listener who has not subscribed yet, I implore you to hit that subscribe button because who knows what Corey and I will do. Yeah, we're it kooky. Be, it could be anything. And we want to make sure that you know when more is available from us. And if the only way to know is to hit that subscribe button. Yeah, for sure. I think the way that we're going to do it is, of course, anything that is Game of Thrones related, it's going to live here on this podcast. But, you know, we might want to do another show. And if we do that, the only way you're going to really know about it from us is a following us on either Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Or uh, I will probably be posting a little announcement here saying, hey, just letting you guys know we have this other podcast out. If you want to listen to it, go ahead and check it out here. Um and like I said, if you if, if we hear anything about Game of Thrones, we might just have to do a little update on it with you guys. We still don't know what's going on with these prequels because last I heard there were about four of them. And I know one for sure is happening. And we're going to do the preview for sure as soon as we get any information on that. You'll hear it here first. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, um, we will let you know that we're still interested and we're still alive and kicking because we're going to be going through from the second season on. We've already done the first season. If you guys are having a little PTSD like me, you know what? I'm going to give you some good advice. Take a break. (laughs) Give yourself a good week to heal. But you know what? Go back to the beginning. Check out the first season. Go through all the way to the sixth season. You know what? Seventh season's even great. Maybe skip the eighth. But there's a lot of good scenes. There's a lot of good memories. I can honestly say I've rewatched those about ten times. Every time I've watched them, amazing. and go along for the ride because, you know, it has been a crazy ride. It's been a crazy anticipation. The nation has literally been glued to what's going on. You open Twitter and it's like 10 out of the, you know, 12 moments is Game of Thrones. And who knows when we're going to see this again. So it's it's pretty uh, awesome phenomena to be a part of. And like Anel said, we are humbled and we are grateful that we have been a part of it. Yeah, thank you guys. You've been a part of it with us. Okay, well... Unfortunately, it's time for us to sign off. So thanks for being perfectly honest with us. As always, I'm Corey. And I'm Anel. And stay perfectly honest. <laughs>